you know, we wear ourselves out with worry. We get ourselves worked up, and all the time what we ought to be doing is giving it to God. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me today to the book of 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. And I, I want to preach to you for a little while today on the transformation. Would you say that with me? The transformation. Father, we thank you for your word and just ask you, God, to speak to our hearts. I ask, God, that you arrest every spirit right now. God, I pray, Father, Lord, that wandering minds will come to attention. Cause us to settle into your presence with no distraction. And we give you praise for it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is instructing the Corinthians, and he's trying to prove something to them. He's <clears throat> trying to make a point that the new covenant is better than the old. How many of you know that when you've been invested in something for so long that it's hard for you to let go of it? I remember the story about the lady that uh, Thanksgiving, every Thanksgiving, they prepare turkey and they would cut three inches off of the backside of that turkey and wrap it up and bake it. <clears throat> and one day her daughter asked her, Mama, why do you cut three inches off the backside of that turkey? And he said, well, I don't, I, honestly, I really don't know. That's what my grandma did. I mean, that's what my mother did. And so they, they went and asked her and she said, well, that's what my mother did. And so they went and asked her and they said, Grandma, why, why did you cut three inches off the back of that turkey? And she said, because it wouldn't fit in my pan. <laughs> and so we do some things out of habit, and we don't even realize that we're throwing away something that's very valuable. And so we, that's where the Corinthians were. The Jews were so invested in Moses' law or in the law of God through Moses that they couldn't accept what Jesus had done for them. So Paul begins to lay it out, and he said, look, he said, that old covenant that was written in stone, it had glory. He said, but that, that covenant brought death. And so if that covenant had glory, how much more does this new covenant that brings us life have glory? He said, you, you've got to understand that when Moses received that law and he went up into that mountain, when he came down, his face was shining. But he covered himself with a veil because he didn't want you to see that that glory was fading. And it was all a type and a shadow. The law simply pointed to us that we were wrong. It pointed out our sin, but it could not save us. For the scripture declared that the letter killeth but the Spirit giveth life. So it was that new covenant in Christ that would bring us life. Moses is, or I mean Moses, Paul is trying to explain to them and, and share with them that what Jesus did for us is greater. But sometimes it's hard for people to grasp something that they're so invested in. And so he begins to try and present to them, he said, Surely the new agreement that makes people right with God has much greater glory. We're not like Moses putting a covering on our face. 
He's talking to them and, and letting them know that, that that glory disappeared. And even today that when the law is read to them, and when they hear that, that they're, there's a covering that comes over them, and it's like they can't see what Jesus was doing for them. And so he's trying to let them understand that there's something greater that's been given to us. But the only way that we can receive that is to be able to acknowledge it. Everybody say, you've got to acknowledge it. You know, if somebody got your bank account number and made a million-dollar deposit in your account, and called you and said, I've put a million dollars in your account. just want you to know. And you say, well, I don't believe that. And you had $28.37 in there. And so you're going to the grocery store and you're still buying, you know, packs of tuna instead of T-bone because you don't think you've got enough to cover it. You didn't have enough to cover it. It was the individual that put it in your account that covered it. And if you act like it's not there, then you're never going to reap the benefit of it. So you've got to understand that it's there and it's there for you. Everybody say, it's for me. Listen to 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. Paul says, but we all with open face. Everybody say open face. What Paul is saying is this, is that our face isn't covered. We don't have a veil on us. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Everybody say looking in a mirror. We ought to reflect his glory. If he's in us, then we ought to be able to reflect his glory. He said we're with an open face, with not a covering, but we reflect the glory of the Lord, are changed. Everybody say changed. Into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Say it with me one more time, changed. You have to understand something, that Jesus loves you just the way he finds you, but he refuses to leave you the way he finds you, so he changes you. Everybody say it one more time, changed. The word changed in Greek there is metamorphio. It's where we get our word metamorphosis from. It means a transformation. Everybody say it with me, a transformation. How many of you have ever seen these shows where they take an old house and then they go in and they transform that house. And at the end of it, you know, that you, you see the, what it used to look like and you see what it looks like now. And how many of you know that the new is better than the old? <laughs> oh, let me see if I can help you out a little bit. Watch, watch this transformation. Everybody say metamorphosis.
So much like that butterfly experience of transformation, we do as well. He starts out as just a little egg. Everybody say somebody planted a seed in us. And when that seed got planted, it started to come forth. And then what happened after it comes forth? You have to what? What's the caterpillar do? He eats. Everybody say, you got to start eating the Word of God. He said that his whole purpose is to get bigger and bigger and bigger. How many of you know that when you eat the Word, when you consume the Word of God, it makes you grow? We got too many folks that come to church on a Sunday morning and get a feel good and take off and they don't read the word. They don't get in the word and you're not going to make it like that. You're not going to last like that. You have got to get the word of God inside of you. You've got to begin to grow. It's God's word. Look, if I was getting ready to face an enemy and somebody gave me a manual that let me know how I can defeat the enemy, do you think I'm going to cast it aside and let dust collect on it? I'm going to get in there and find out every in and out I'm going to find out that I've been made more than a conqueror that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world I need a transformation after he consumes the word then he goes into that cocoon everybody say it's goo inside (laughs) Paul said I die daily How many of you have trouble with your flesh? How many of you have trouble with it every day? I die daily. See, some of us think that it's not our flesh that we're having trouble with. We think it's somebody else's flesh. If they would just straighten up and do what's right, if they would do that, I keep trying to tell them, and all the time God's trying to work on us, and we think it's them. I die daily. But watch what happens when you die, when all of a sudden you're consumed on the inside and that old man begins to die. Guess what happens? There's a brand new man that starts to live. That's what Paul's telling them. The old covenant brought death, but this new covenant is bringing life. The old covenant kept me down, but the new covenant's given me wings to fly. I'm no longer what I used to be. The Bible said old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I have to admit that I've found them big old fat caterpillars and put them on a hook. Why? Because they look like a worm to me. I've never put a butterfly on a hook. See, if we insist on living as the old man we're going to be hooked (laughs) but the day that we make up our mind that I am growing in God and I'm going to believe what Jeremiah 29 11 said that I know what my thoughts are toward you saith God they're thoughts of good and not of evil to give you hope and an expected end everybody say God likes me Go ahead, look at your neighbor and say, God likes me. I know you don't care anything about me, but God likes me. No, no, I'm getting to that. My wife's down here cueing me. She's saying, God loves me. I told her, I'm getting there. But how many of you know that you can love someone and not like them? (laughs) 
I got, well, never mind. I'm not going to go there. You know what I'm talking about? You've got, I, 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 I've got to be careful how I say this. There's some people that may be very close to you, may be related to you, and you love them, but you don't care much for them because of the way they act and what they do. But do you understand that God likes me? He wants to draw me to him. And so God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Do you understand that because of what he's done, I'm experiencing a transformation? A transformation. A few, a, a few years ago, uh, you know, we had this old-fashioned day, and I grew a beard. You remember when I didn't have a beard? I grew a beard. And when I grew that beard, it was a transformation. I would be in the store walking down toward Debbie. She didn't even know who I was. I've been married to her for years, and she didn't even recognize me. So I didn't even recognize you. And, then, and as soon as that, when she said, you know, you, you, I don't know about you growing this beard. I said, no, I, I'm growing the beard. I told everybody I'm going to grow the beard. And so as soon as the old-fashioned day was over, I shaved. She told me, now, you told me you'd shave it off, so you need to shave it off. So I shaved it off. And as soon as she looked at me, a tear came down her cheek, and she said, grow it back. <laughs> yeah, boy, that didn't do much for my ego. <laughs> She'd been putting up with that face all these years. She said, just cover it up, honey. Just, just cover it up. Just, there's a transformation. Just cover it. <laughs> How many of you know that that's what he's done for us? That he covers us with his blood? That he makes us different than we were? Somebody say, I've been transformed. How many of you remember Saul in the New Testament? Remember Saul? You know, the guy that was having everybody thrown in prison? How many of you remember James and John, disciples of Jesus? You remember what their claim to fame was? They stood there next to Jesus and said, do you want us to call fire down out of heaven and consume them? And Jesus looked at them and said, you don't even know what manner of spirit you're of. He said, I got a new name for you. You're sons of thunder. <laughs> you, you don't even realize what you were saying, man. And then how about Peter, self-assured? And the Lord looked at me and said, Simon, Peter, Satan has desired to have you so he could sift you as wheat. He said, but I've prayed for you. And he said, when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. Everybody say converted. I want you to remember that word. When you're converted, strengthen your brethren. And Peter looks at him, and Peter doesn't say, oh, thank you, Lord, for praying for me. I appreciate that, and I'll do just what you say. Peter looks at him and said, are you kidding? Man, I'd go to prison for you. I'll die for you. What do you mean you've been the devil trying to get me? He can't get me. And he looked at him, and he said, Peter, before the cock crows, three, or before the cock crows you'll deny me three times. All of these men were believers. All of these men loved God but how many of you know 
they needed some help. How many of you need some help out there? Wave your hand. If you ain't waving your hand, I may point you out and say, you need some help. You, we all need some help. How many of you recognize that? How many of you, since you've been saved, have acted like a rascal sometimes? Wave your hand at me. Don't, everybody goes, no, no, not me, Pastor. We've all been there, haven't we? We've all, we've all been there. But how many of you are thankful today that Jesus loves you so much that he doesn't leave you the way he finds you? He transforms you. What are you doing? I'm trying to get out of this cocoon, man. I'm trying to break out. Because I know that he's put wings on me. I know that I've been made more than a conqueror through him that loved me. And I just got to break out of this stuff so I can spread my wings. Transformation. I think it's so important that we recognize that. That we understand that. Now, Now watch this because I want you to look at Acts, the third chapter. To me, this is really powerful because when Peter goes through what he went through, he comes out on the other side of that realizing, I can't do this without God. How many of you have come to that conclusion? I can't do this without God. Do you understand? That's why the law brought death. It's because the law just kept pointing out what you were doing wrong. Do you know that under the law that if you picked up sticks on the Sabbath, you're dead? How many of you knew that? How many of you knew that if you talked back to your parents, you got stoned? And I'm not talking about rolling stoned either. I'm talking about they take you outside with rocks and they would stone you to death, and the parents had to throw the first stone. How many of you parents would be up for that? Now, we love our kids, man. I've had some, how many of you have had your kids back talk you? Really? I can't, Gina, did you raise your hand? I would have never believed it, Jasmine. I just, oh, it was your sister, right? No, <laughs> We, we've been there. And, and man, I, I, look, I don't like disrespect. You want to get on the wrong side of me, you become disrespectful. But I've never in all my life, in my wildest imagination, when my kids talk back to me, ever thought about dragging them outside and stoning them to death. Everybody say, the letter killeth. The law would destroy you. Why was the law put in place? God was trying to get us to see that we have no ability to save ourselves, that our righteousness is like filthy rags. But he wanted us to understand that the plan he had was so powerful that he would take his righteousness and ascribe it to us. He would take away our ashes and give us joy. Beauty for ashes, joy. For the spirit of heaviness. How many of you are ready for that transformation? How many of you need a little bit of joy up in your life? Amen. You need, you, you need to 
change. Everybody say change is good. The word change, transformation. Say it again, change is good. If you don't think change is good, wear your socks for seven days. And everybody in your household will be telling you change is good. Go change your socks. I love change. I, lo I love trying new food. I, lo I know some of you just meat and potatoes. Man, I've eaten stuff that I didn't even know what I was eating. That may be why I got so sick the other day. <laughs> What it change is good. I, I like change so much that sometimes in the morning, I'll change my clothes three times before I finally figure out what Debbie wants me to wear. Everybody say change is good. I've gotten up, Nate, and gone to the, the closet and pulled out some stuff and thought I was dressed right. Change is good. <laughs> she said, you didn't match. I said, don't you know that the end thing now is to mix and match? <laughs> and so after about the third, I said, well, what do you want me to wear? Here, I'll get it for you. <laughs> this morning I got up. I, had, I was dressed. Then I got undressed. Because she didn't like what I had on. What are you doing? I'm saying that we keep trying to fix ourselves instead of letting God fix us. We keep thinking, I can do this on my, I finally just surrendered. And I said, baby, just pick out what you want me to wear and I'll put it on because there's a lot less frustration with that. Hear me, if we would just go to God and say, God, just clothe me with your righteousness. God, just put it on me. I'm tired of trying to do it myself. You understand what I'm talking about? When God gets in you, Paul said, Christ in me, the hope of glory. If you're trying to do it yourself, it don't work. How many of you have ever tried to forgive someone on your own? I forgive you. You didn't forgive me. I mean, I just told you I forgave you. The least you could do is admit it was your fault. Praise God. You know what I'm talking about. Look, there's a reality in serving God where all of a sudden he transforms us. And you recognize it. You begin to recognize, I'm not who I used to be. Peter recognizes this. Listen to him in Acts, the third chapter. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's. Everybody say they ran to the porch. Before I read any more, I want to read you a poem. You say, why? Because I forgot. See, what I want you to understand is that Peter understood something after 
his denial that he didn't understand before his denial. Listen to this. "'Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. "'What am I bidding, good folks?' he cried. "'Who'll start the bidding for me? "'A dollar, a dollar, then two, only two, two dollars. "'Who'll make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, "'going for three, but no. "'From the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening the loose strings, he played a melody pure and sweet as a caroling angel sings. The music ceased and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, what am I bidding for the old violin? And he held it up with a bow. A thousand dollars, who'll make it two? Two thousand, who'll make it three? 3,000 once, 3,000 twice, and going and gone, said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried. We do not quite understand what changed its worth. Swift came the reply, the touch of a master's hand. A many a man with life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is auctioned cheap to the thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He's going once, he's going twice, he's going and almost gone. But the master comes and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that's wrought by the touch of the master's hand. In the third chapter of Acts, Peter understands something about the touch of the master's hand. So now the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, and all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom ye now see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Now listen to his words, because now Peter reflects that he understands that had it not been for the master's hand, he would be in the same dilemma that they were. He said, yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all of his prophets that Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent. Everybody say, repent, therefore, and be converted. Say it with me again. Repent and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come for the presence of the Lord. Watch this. Repent and be converted. Why? 
so that times of refreshing may come. Without repentance, without conversion, there's no refreshing. He said, so repent, be converted, so times of refreshing may come. The word repent means to think differently. The word convert there in Greek means to turn about. What's he saying? He's saying you need to think differently and make a turnaround. What's he saying? You need a transformation. You can't just come to church and go through the motions and do the same old thing week in and week out. There's got to be a transformation inside of you uh, that changes you. Uh, and when that happens, hear me, when that happens, a time of refreshing comes. The word refreshing there comes from a word that means to cool off or relieve. How many of you have ever found out that it's a little hot in the kitchen? How many of you all of a sudden, man, you were just so hot you couldn't take it anymore and you needed to cool off? You needed some relief. Back a couple years ago, I was, Debbie and I were walking. Man, it was in the hot part of the summer. And we walked like, it was, I think it was five miles that day we had walked. And we're coming back, and man, I am soaked. Literally, my shirt is soaked with sweat. And we're coming back, and I am anxious to get home to get some refreshing. Everybody say, I needed some relief. I was on my way home, and the neighbor stopped us and we're still about three quarters of a mile from the house when he stops us and he comes out and he's talking and talking and I'm thinking man I don't want to be rude but I don't want to talk to you I need some water I need some and, and I'm, I'm just about man my mouth is as dry as cotton and he looked at me and he saw me sweating like that he said could you use a cold bottle of water <laughs> what <laughs> yeah he had my attention. He said, come, come on in here. I'll, I'll give you a cold bottle of water. And so he goes to his garage, opened his refrigerator, and he gave me water, man, that was cold. And I was trying to be polite, and I opened it up, and I went. I wasn't about to sit there and sip it with my pinky in the air. I didn't care what anybody thought. I needed some relief. I, I needed a refreshing. I needed something uh, to revive me. And after I got done with that, he looked at it and he saw that I enjoyed it so much. He said, would you like another? Oh, only if you insist. <laughs> and so, man, I got another bottle and, and I, that one I didn't guzzle, but I, I was able to take my time with that. But that can't happen. That, that doesn't happen unless there's been a transformation, a turnaround. And then the refreshing comes. To cool off, to really, but the word itself, the word refreshing itself means a recovery of breath. Revival. Everybody say revival. You ever feel like, man, you are drug out and you've run as far as you can go? And if you don't get revived, if you don't get refreshed, you're about to fall out and fall over. Hear me. God wants to bring the refreshing. He said, but in order for the refreshing to come, I need you to think differently and turn around. I need a transformation to happen inside your life. I need you to let me know that you mean business. Everybody say, I'm serious. Ever find out how serious people are about God? Just listen to their conversation. 
I can hang around you for 30 minutes and find out what you're passionate about because that's what you'll talk about. Some people are passionate about their job. Some people are passionate about their, you know, their, their hobbies or their cars or, or their stuff. And there are other people that are passionate about God. Are you one of those? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those. I had people tell me, man, I had a, 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 a person that was related to me one time tell me, said, well, I would live for God, but i just been so hurt. And I looked at him, I said, you've been hurt? <laughs> I said, have you ever been nailed on a cross? Did they ever put a spear in your side? Did they ever rip the flesh off your back? Don't talk to me about being hurt. He gave it all. He gave it all. Hear me today. None of our excuses will hold up before him. God is looking for a people that are transformed, that are saying, here I am, God. Use me. Send me. Let revival come now. Let it come now. How many of you believe you can have revival anywhere? If it's in here, you can't. If it's in here, you can't. How many of you need some revival in here? Transformation. Everybody say transformed. What's he saying? He's saying, I reckon... This is Romans 8 and 18. For I reckon that the sufferings, remember what they said, I've been hurt. Paul says, I, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Everybody say revealed in us. The word revealed means to take off the cover. How many of you are ready to take off the cover? I'm going to ask you a question. Do you act differently when you're at work than you do when you're at church? I'm talking about your passion for God. Do you have different passion levels? Are you different according to the people you're around? Do you change according to who you're around? This change is supposed to bring about a transformation. The butterfly cannot turn back into the caterpillar. I said the butterfly can't turn back into the caterpillar. Man, I have watched my wife do transformation. Some of you, some of you ladies have experienced. She get a hold of you, set you in a chair, and the next thing you know, you look in the mirror and you go, I can't believe that's me. I saw, some of you have looked in the mirror and go, ooh, I look good. What are you saying? You're seeing yourself the way she sees you. Oh, oh you, I, I hope you know where I'm going with this. You need to understand we need to quit seeing ourselves uh, the way the world sees us uh, and the way everybody else sees us. Uh, and God is saying, I want you to see yourself uh, the way I see you. Uh, you are the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. Uh, you are the apple of my eye. You are the image of your father. He's trying to transform us. 
How many of you fight transformation? You know what I'm talking about? My dad would make me go get a haircut every summer when I was a kid. Guess what kind of haircut he'd make me get? Flat top. Did you ever hear about those? He'd say, get a flat top. He took me in. I defied him one day. He set me at the, the barber shop, and I got up in that chair, and I looked at that guy. I was probably six, seven years old. I looked at the barber, and I said, give me a regular boy's haircut. I sat in that chair. Show him. I looked up at him in about five minutes because I sat there and thinking about how unhappy my father was going to be. And I looked at him and I said, sir, is there any way you could turn this into a flat top? (laughs) True story. And he did, man. I discovered something that day. I'd rather please my father than defy him. How about you? Would you stand with me today? Do you understand that as long as the devil can make you believe that you'll never be that, then he's got you living under the law. But in the moment you recognize Saul was committing Christians to prison, James and John were ready to call fire out of heaven. Peter was rebuking the Lord and telling him, I'd never deny you. And Jesus knew what they were going to do, and he loved them anyway. Because Jesus saw them the way he called them. Not the way they were at that moment. Hear me. We're being changed from glory to glory. I'm closer to God today than I was yesterday. But I'll be closer tomorrow than I am now. Changed from glory to glory. This is about a journey. This is about allowing God to transform you into who he's called you to be so you can spread your wings and fly. I'm tired of dragging my feet around on the ground. I want to fly. Everybody say it with me. I want to fly. This year I celebrated my 60th birthday. I know you can't believe that. My children came to me and they gave me a card and in the card it had a picture of a guy on a parachute. And I said, I don't get it. They said, you said you always wanted to jump out of a plane, so we're paying for you to do it. I said, let me get this straight. You're paying somebody to throw me out of a plane. No, it's a tandem jump. It's a tandem jump. You're connected. 
You, are you trying to get rid of me? <laughs> you, so I thought about it and I thought, do I really want to jump out of a plane that doesn't have any problems? My daughter called and found out, oh, yeah, it's perfectly safe. We've never had, we've never lost anybody. We've had a guy break his leg coming in one time, but, oh, well, that's okay. And so I told him, I said, you know, guys, I don't know that I want to jump out of a plane or if I'd rather ride in a hot air balloon. I said, because if I jump, it's going to be over in just a few moments hopefully not permanently, but it's, I, I said, I'm, I'm not going to get to enjoy it the way I want to, but if I got in a hot air balloon and it's taking me across the countryside and I have time to reflect and soak it all up, I can enjoy that. There are too many of us that have let the devil talk us into becoming dive bombers where we just jump out of the plane. Woohoo! And it's short-lived. And what God wants is for you to see life from his perspective. You remember the song, Lift Me Up Above the Shadows. Lift me up. Take me to that place where I'm transformed and I reflect your glory. Now, without a covering on our face, we look into a mirror and reflect his glory. And we're being transformed from one glory to a greater glory, to another glory. Hear me. You've got, I, I want you to get this. We are in the midst of a world right now that is spinning off its axis. I hope you're praying for the people in Afghanistan. It's like nobody has the ability to think right clouded, vision obscured, in a quandary. And in the midst of that, God is saying, I need a people that can shine. I need a people that can reflect my glory to this world. I want to be part of that, don't you? Everybody say, revive me. I need to stop thinking the way I've been thinking. I need to turn around so I can experience the refreshing, the reviving. Are you ready? Stretch your hands to heaven with me and say, God, I'm ready for revival. Here's where it starts in you. You're going to walk out of this place and go have a revival someplace. You hearing me? Carl was up at the hospital all week long, walking around the hallways, praying for people, finding people to 
pray for, revival, wherever you're at. Everything doesn't have to be going right for you to have revival. If that was the truth, then the church would have never been birthed. The church was birthed in the middle of chaos. The church was birthed in the middle of storms. And it was a powerful church. And it still is a powerful church. It's time for the refreshing. Everybody say, I'm ready for my transformation. I want you to come and stand with me right now, very quickly. If you would, lead us in a course of that song. We are here for you. Come and do what you do. We are here for you. Come and do what you do. Set our hearts on you. Come and do what you do. We need a move. together in just a moment but I want you to hear me you know several years ago I was on a job and I ended up I, I had been I'd made an arrangement to work two 12-hour shifts so they would let me off on Sunday this particular night the machine went down and I had to work I was there till like four o'clock on Sunday morning I'd gone in 3.30 that afternoon, and I was there till 4 o'clock Sunday morning, and I thought, God, what is going on, man? I, and I, I, I was going to church, but I was supposed to get off at midnight, and, I, and then all of a sudden, they sent an electrician back to my machine, and I got to talking to him and found out he was away from God. When I started talking to him, I felt his presence come in that place we weren't in a church house we were in a factory it was hot but I felt refreshing I felt the time of reviving all of a sudden that electrician looked at me and his eyes got real big and he said do you see that do you see that I said what he said there's an angel standing over there I said buddy I can't see him but I can feel him I, I can feel him in this place and all of a sudden, man, that guy had a transformation. His life was changed. I'm telling you that God is going to use you to transform some things. You can't pull back. You can't let the devil wave your problems in front of your face and talk you into retreat. You gotta stand up and say, here I am, God. I'm not backing off. I'm not walking away. I'm gonna stand in the gap and make up the hedge. I wish, I hope I can communicate this. Some of you don't realize the power that is right in front of you. That you could take hold of 
if you just let him transform you. I'm persuaded that the sufferings we go through in this present life aren't worthy to be compared to the glory, the elevation, that place that God has for us. Not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us, that will be uncovered in us. People are going to go, what in the world is that? You can't be afraid. You, you've got to be bold. You, you, you've got to know that if God is for you, who can be against you? I had people laugh at me before I was living for God. You think I'm going to get shook up because they started laughing after I started living for God? You've got to know who you are. And you've got to know who He is. He is your Father. Hey, look at me just a second, would you? There have been a lot of stuff going on over the last few months. And it's almost like a whirlwind. I mean, just, and, and you're looking for direction. And God said, I've already got the direction figured out. I just need you to follow me. That means you have to quit trying to figure it out yourself and just trust him. Because there's been a lot of frustration in your life over trying to figure this stuff out. And God's saying, I want you to enjoy your journey. I want you just to take my hand and let me guide you. And take, would you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now? Just, just raise your hand like that. That's it. And say, Lord, I trust you. God, I believe you. I surrender. talking to Debbie about Carl I guess it was yesterday and I said you know I said I'm trying to figure this out I said man he went to the hospital they told him he had to have three bypasses and then they sent him home then he went to another hospital they sent him home he went back up here everything was getting ready to come together and he got sent home again and I said one or two things has happened and I said either there's somebody that Carl is supposed to talk to specifically or God's just going to heal him so this is what I'm believing I'm believing for both of those things you say well what are you talking about now I'm not talking about foregoing what doctors have said but think about this what happens if when he goes back in that they find out that his heart's recovered 50 to 60 percent he's at 25 percent now what if what if say well that's not possible well then you don't serve the same God I serve all things are possible with God I said all things are possible with God now pastor what 
what if he goes in and he's at 30% then he's ready for surgery and and they'll operate and he'll be okay I'm just telling you you've got to quit feeling like that God only moves one way God is God and he can do whatever he wants to do would you just stretch your hands to heaven with me father i thank you pray this prayer with me now God I'm asking you to transform me into the vessel that you always had ordained for me to be use me for your glory when I walk outside of these four walls let the refreshing begin. Let revival begin in my life and help me to transform the lives of others. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you give me a hand clap of praise in this house today? At the, at the end of this life, we're not gonna be measured by how well we could sing or how good we can preach but rather on how many we touched he that winneth souls is wise so what do you say we go out and let God be God through us when Job was going through everything he went through he said though he slay me yet I'll trust him what was he saying? He's saying, I don't understand what I'm going through right now, but I still trust the one that's bringing me through it. I still trust the one that's bringing me through it. So as you get somebody by the hand, just reach and get someone by the hand, we're going to release you today with this declaration. 
Say it with me. God, you've made me the head and not the tail. Above and not beneath. You've blessed me going out and coming in. You cause your face to shine upon me. I am who you said I am. I will do what you said I can do. And I declare it now in the name of Jesus. Come on and give my hand clap of praise in this house. God bless you. We love you.